0: Well, again, welcome everyone. We are continuing our series uh, as the young people leave us. I hate to see them go, <laughs> but I know they have fun so and learn something. So wonderful. Listen, we're continuing our series today uh, in Joshua and. Um, you probably weren't able to guess, some of you tried, like Judd, tried to guess where we were gonna be today because I told you on last week, or maybe I didn't, that we had decided rather than going chapter by chapter that we would cut it down and look at three chapters and in those, within those three chapters try to select something that spoke to us. And so I selected something that spoke to me uh, out of uh, 13, 14, and 15. So we'll spend time. Don't worry, we're not going to look at all of that. And I'm sure not going to try to read all of that. There's a passage, though, from Joshua 14 that I'd like for us to focus on today. Joshua chapter 14, uh, verses 6 through 15. Joshua chapter 14, 6 through 15. Would you stand with me as we honor the reading of God's word? Here is what the word of God declares as I read to you this morning from the English Standard Version of God's Holy Word. Here's what it says. Then the people of Judah came to Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God in Kadesh Barnea, concerning you and me? I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me. Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land and I brought him word again as it was in my heart. But my brothers who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. Yet I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day saying, surely the land on which your foot has trodden shall be an inheritance for you and your children forever. Because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive, just as he said, these 45 years since the time that the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel walked in the wilderness. And now, behold, I am this day 85 years old. I am still as strong today as I was in the day that Moses sent me. My strength now is as my strength was then, for war and for going and coming. So now give me this hill country of which the Lord spoke on that day, for you heard on that day how the Anakim were there with great fortified cities. It may be that the Lord will be with me, and I shall drive them out just as the Lord said. Then Joshua blessed him, and he gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, for an inheritance. Therefore, Hebron became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, to this day, because he wholly followed the Lord, the God of Israel. Now the name of Hebron formerly was Kiriath Arba. Arba was the greatest man among the Anakim, and the land had rest from war, Amen. May you be seated. From this passage, I'd like to lift this theme this morning: wholehearted and single-minded. Wholehearted and single-minded. Up to this point in our journey through Joshua we have witnessed some things. Uh, We witnessed in chapters 1 through 5, chapters 1 through 5 recorded the preparations of the people for their conquest. They were being prepared in 1 through 5. Then in 6 through 8, we saw the conquest of central Canaan, which led us to 9 through 10. And in 9 and 10, Uh, is the record of the conquest of southern Canaan and chapter 11, the record of the conquest of northern Canaan. We looked at, you'll remember, chapter 12 last week. And when we did, we saw that what chapter 12 does is it summarizes all that God had empowered Joshua and his people to conquer of the land that he was giving them as he moved them from promise to possession. Uh, And it was also, you'll remember, a reminder to us about uh, pausing from time to time to recount God's goodness. Pausing to recount God's goodness. Chapter 12 concluded the first half of the book of Joshua and brings us to a close of the successful conquest of Canaan. The second half of the book, beginning then in chapter 13, will highlight the distribution and allotment of the land that had been conquered, beginning in chapter 13. Chapter 13 covers the land East of the Jordan, distributed by Moses to the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. So, as we arrive at chapter 14, the post-victory distribution of the land west of the Jordan in Canaan proper to the remaining nine and a half tribes is underway as we arrive at 14, in 14 verses 1 and 2, which we didn't read, we see that the managers of this process were Joshua, Eleazar, the chief priest, and 10 princes, one from each tribe, having been previously nominated by God back in Numbers chapter 34 by name, and that the method Verses 1 and 2, we get the method also, the method prescribed by God from Numbers 26 to be used to allocate the land was to be the drawing of lots. It was to be done by lot. So then in verse 6, which is where today's passage begins, we find out that the people of the tribe of Judah are first in line for allotment. And it's here that we hear from their representative who hasn't spoken in Scripture since Numbers chapter 14. His name is Caleb. Hadn't heard from him in a while. Uh, his name means wholehearted and single-minded, which is where we get today's title from the meaning of his name. Certainly, you recall the story from Numbers 13 and 14. Just in case, though, some don't remember and recall that all-too-familiar story about Caleb and Joshua and the spies and all of that, allow me to share just a brief review. First time we meet Caleb, The people of Israel are encamped at Kadesh Barnea. It had been only a year or two since they had come out of Egypt. People have seen many miracles in that time. The Red Sea had been parted. The water had been brought from a rock, and manna had fallen from heaven to feed the multitude. They fought the Amalekite army, and won the battle. Moses had received the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai and destroyed the golden calf that they had built fashioned when he came down. The Israelites had ratified the covenant, built the tabernacle, and constructed the Ark of the Covenant. It was now time for them to enter the Promised Land. At that time, Caleb was about 40 years old, and he was a recognized leader of his tribe, the tribe of Judah, the largest tribe of the 12. The Lord at that time had given Moses this instruction. He says in Numbers 13 verse 2, send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites, from from each tribe, from each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. So Caleb and 11 of his peers are sent out on what would be a reconnaissance mission into the land of Canaan. Along the way, they observe some things. Along the way, they observe carefully what they see. They see the nature of the cities and the villages and their fortifications. They see the produce of the land and the land's potential. Since they will be dividing up the land between the 12 tribes later on, it's important that representatives from all tribes be in on its initial survey of this land. They are, when they get there, Nate, they are particularly impressed with the city of Hebron. Hebron is a walled city in the south perched nearly, neatly, nearly at the crest of the mountain chain about 3,000 feet, at about 3,000 feet elevation. What the spies see shocks them, for in this strongly fortified city lives a race of giant men called the descendants of Anak. The the Anakites or the Anakim, when the spies return, they carry, you remember, a large cluster of grapes, fruit of the land, so large that they have to, two of them have to carry the grapes on a pole between them. They talk about when they get back the abundance of the land, they confirm the fact that yes, the land flows with milk and honey just as the Lord had said that it would. But, you, all, you know there's always. But ten of the spies are clearly frightened by the prospect of conquest. So in Numbers 13, uh, here's what happens. The people who live there, they say, these ten spies, The people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. They're giants, they said, and we seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we look the same to them. This is a bad report. The bad report of the ten spies becomes contagious. You do do know that negativity can become contagious because it's been said that negativity breeds negativity and this negative bad report becomes contagious so that by nightfall their fear and negative assessment of the danger has spread throughout the camp. Numbers 14 one says this, that night all the people of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. By morning, The men were ready to rebel. They were ready to select another leader and watch this, return to Egypt. Can you imagine? But in the midst, here's another but for you, in the midst of this fear and unbelief, two men stood firm in faith and hope, Caleb and Joshua. When the ten spies were sharing the tale of terror, the scripture reports in Numbers 1330, Caleb says this. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. We can do it. The next day, Caleb and Joshua attempt one last time to offer words of encouragement. And this is, by the way, the last time that we hear words spoken from Caleb. Here's what it says in Numbers 14, 7 through 9. The land we pass through and expose is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into the land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will swallow them up. Their protection is gone. But the Lord is with us. Yes. Do not be afraid of them. But, unfortunately, for some, as you'll recall, fear prevailed over faith. That's one thing that you have to always guard against is don't do not allow fear to ever prevail over your faith. The Lord was angry with the people and vowed that none of their generation would enter the promised land. Only Caleb and Joshua of that generation would enter the promised land. Now, as we turn our attention back to Joshua 14, 45 years have passed. Caleb is now 85 years old, and he interjects a reminder and a claim uh, before this whole casting lots thing gets started. Because in one through six, we get the method, we get the people, we get who's going to do it and how they're going to do it. But before the whole casting lots thing gets started, Caleb interjects. His reminder and claim is that based on Numbers 1424, his distribution was not to be decided by lot. Everybody else's was going to be decided by drawing lots, casting lots, however you want to describe it. But Caleb says, mine is not coming that way. It's not going to be decided that way. He was to receive the very land that he had spied out, the land that had been the cause of all of the uproar 45 years prior, and he led an entire, uh, that, that, that same land that had led an entire generation to die off in the wilderness. The prized land of Hebron was to be his, not by lot, but because it was promised. Caleb's life, as we look at the life of Caleb, his life is no doubt an interesting one that offers much that we should desire to emulate. As I look at the life of Caleb, there's much about his life that I see that all ought to attempt art to apply to my own life. As I look at it, I see some things. There are some admirable qualities that I see in our text in Joshua 14 about Caleb. First one I see is this. It's in verses 6 through 9. First one I see is this, and it's in other places, but it's this, that he wholly followed the Lord. He wholly followed the Lord. Six times in Scripture, we see this phrase used when describing Caleb's life. Here in verse 8 of our passage, he even uses it himself about himself as he makes his claim. Look at, let's look at 6 through 8 again. Let me read it real quick. It says this then the people of Judah came to Joshua at Gilgal and Caleb the son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite said to him You know what the Lord said to Moses the man of God in Kadesh Barnea concerning you and me I was 40 years old when Moses the servant of the Lord sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land And I brought him word again as it was in my heart. Here it is. But my brother's who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. Yet I, wholly followed the Lord, my God. It's what he says about himself that he wholly followed. What does it mean that Caleb wholly followed the Lord? It's it, it, it said about him six times in Scripture. What what's meant by that? It can be it can be defined in a lot of different ways. It's several ways that it can be defined. I'll just offer you some. Uh, it, it, It could possibly mean, it likely possibly means that he was committed to keeping the distance between himself and the Lord at a minimum. He wanted to remain, Stephen, as close to God as possible. So, he wholly, but it could mean that he kept Uh, close to his duty and sincerely aimed at the glory of God in his duty. could mean that he was true to his name. He was not half-hearted, nor was he double-minded. He was sold out, completely committed. He was like the ham in ham and eggs. You you know about the ham and eggs story, right? Uh, He was like the ham The the, the chicken was definitely involved in the ham and eggs, but the pig was completely committed. This describes Caleb. Uh, Also, though, to say that he wholly followed the Lord also says what he was not. It also says what he was not. We've talked about some things that it means that he was. What about something that he was not? Here you go. He was not a crowd follower. He wasn't a crowd crowd follower. Uh, Verse 8 is a reminder when he says, but my brothers, yet I. (laughs) It it, it lays it out right there. But the crowd went one, one way, yet I went another way. Uh, 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 Some of you are familiar, most of you are, with Robert Frost. Robert Frost was one of the greatest literary figures in American history. He brought us such works as Fire and Ice, Stopping by the Woods on a Snowy Evening, Mending Wall, and many, many more. Uh, A wise and incredibly talented man, Frost made it his life's work to take abstract themes and weave them into vivid metaphors. Frost was not known, I need to say this so I don't get emails later, he was not known uh, particularly as a Christian writer, as his personal religious views remain mysterious even to this day. There's not real clarity on where he stood religiously, although he liked to call himself an Old Testament Christian. Nevertheless, even though he wasn't known as a Christian writer, I think there's some value. And some of the things that he wrote in 1915, he wrote one of his most famous and often quoted works, a poem entitled The Road Not Taken. The last few verses of which give a fairly accurate description of the life of Caleb. Can I share these last few verses with you? Here's what it says. Uh, the Road Not Taken, the last few verses. say I shall be telling this with a sigh somewhere ages and ages hence. Two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. This is Frost's version of what it looks like to not follow the crowd. And I've already shared with you he's not necessarily a Christian writer, but can I give you the Christian version? Of the road not taken or the road less traveled. You do know that there's a Christian version of it. It's in scripture. It's in Matthew chapter 7 verses 13 and 14 presents us with a tale of two diverging paths. Here's what it says. Enter by the narrow gate for the gate is wide and they and the way is easy that leads to destruction and those who enter by it are many. But the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Popularity, my brothers and my sisters, is in no way is no way to test the validity and soundness of a pathway. I need to say that one more time for those in the back: popularity is no way to test the validity and/or the soundness of a pathway. If you ever find yourself going in a direction just because everybody else is, you ought to pause for a minute and make sure you're doing the right thing. Just because a path is well-traveled doesn't mean it's the right path. We are called, you and I, to walk the path that may be more difficult sometimes, but it is the path that leads to life. And that in the words of Robert Frost, makes all the difference. It makes all the difference. So the first admirable quality that we see in Caleb is that he wholly followed the Lord. Next thing I'd like to point out about his life is that he was persistent and consistent. He was persistent and consistent. In verse 10, Caleb reminisces. Let me read verse 10 again. And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive just as he said these 45 years since the time that the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel walked in the wilderness. And now, behold, I am this day 80 years old. He's reminiscing. He reminisces about God's faithfulness to him over many years and how God had kept him alive for for the past 45 years. Uh, I like what Donald Campbell says about it. Commentator Donald, Donald Campbell says this, but 45 years is a long time to wait for the fulfillment of a pledge. Some of us, now this ain't Campbell, this is me. Some of us can't wait, uh, not 45 days, 45 minutes. Or uh, 45 years, rather, 45 minutes. And we get impatient. Uh, let me get back to Campbell because I, I may say something that y'all ain't gonna like. I better read Campbell. Campbell says, a long time Forty-five years a long time for the fulfillment of a pledge, a long time for faith to live on a promise. Yet Caleb did wait through the weary years of the wilderness wanderings and the demanding years of the conquest. Caleb had strong faith in the promises of God. They sustained him in difficult times. Through it all, Caleb was persistent. He was not a fair-weather follower. He wasn't a fair-weather follower. And anytime time I say those words, fair-weather uh, anything, it reminds me of my boys. Yeah, y'all, I told y'all we're going to get all y'all that mess with me. I'm coming for you today. I need to remind all of y'all who sent me messages and uh-huh. joked with me on Facebook and all of that, me and Kimmy, we're not fair weather fans. Amen. I've been with the boys since they were 1 and 15, 3 and 13, all those bad lean years, and I ain't giving up. Right. Y'all can laugh at me, talk about me, joke with me. All oh, you want send me them messages, uh, that's okay. I'm going to keep my hope alive. Uh, here it is my allegiance, sports wise, football wise, I ain't talking about. I'm not talking about spiritually. I'm just playing with y'all right now. We'll get back to that in a minute. I gotta make this clear for you. <laughs> and hopefully you can understand this because y'all been messing with me, Martha. <laughs> <laughs> talking about what, what 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 you gonna do now? I'm gonna do the same thing I've been doing. I'm still DC for life. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm keep hoping. My 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 my, my my allegiance football-wise is to the Cowboys. I don't care if they win or lose. I don't know. I'm just wired that way. I guess I was born into the wrong family. I don't know. I was, I, I was just raised to be a... And, and, and so, to that end, uh, it does not depend on what the outcome is. So, I'm not one of those people, because you got some of these, who just like to hate. Don't even have a team. <laughs> or Or, watch this. They got five. Uh-huh. Who are you, Rufus? Well, sometimes it's the Packers, but I like the Steelers too, and I also like the 49ers. And I say, and, and these folks that like that ain't never been to none of those cities. Uh-huh. <laughs> ain't never been to a game. Couldn't tell you who the coach is, who the quarterback is. They just ride with who's winning. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 That's That's win. That was not a good place to raise your hand, Martha. <laughs> I'm not like that, brother Kimmy. I'm riding with my boys till the wheels fall off because I'm not a fair weather fan. Caleb was not a fair weather follower. You can just imagine that over 45 years, there had to be some lean times. There had to be some frightening times. There had to be some times where he didn't really know where to turn, but he, through 45 years at least, probably more, was persistent in his faith. He was persistent. Not only was he persistent, he was consistent. Uh, Verse 11 reminds us that he was consistent. Look at what verse 11 says. Verse 11 says this. "I I am still as strong today as I was in the day that Moses sent me. My strength now is as my strength was then, for war and for going and for coming. He was not willing to allow age to be a limiting factor in his life, and his duty to God. He declares that he is still the same now as he was 45 years ago. Now, we all know that the reality is that he probably wasn't the same. But in his his heart, in his mind, in his spirit, he was was just like he was at age 40. And I say all that to simply say, don't allow age or anything else to limit you. You ought not ever use the excuse. I'm too old for that. You ought not ever, ever use that excuse because age... I know our bodies tell us something different. I know mine, though. <laughs> but in my mind, and in my heart, age is nothing but a number. And Caleb says, I feel the same today as I did 45 years ago. So in Caleb, we've seen that he wholly followed the Lord and he was persistent and consistent. Lastly, we see in Caleb, that he was also courageous. It's in 12 through 14. He was courageous. Even at the ripe old age of 85. Here's what 12 through 14 says again. It says this. So now, give me this hill country. Some verses say, give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that day how the Anakim were there with great fortified cities. It may be that the Lord will be with me, and I shall drive them out just as the Lord said. Then Joshua blessed him and gave him Hebron, and gave he-, he gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, for an inheritance. Therefore, Hebron became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, to this day, because he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel, now the name of Hesh of, of Hebron, formerly Kiriath Arba, Arba, the greatest man among the Anakim, and the land had rest war, from war. Even at 85, he's willing. Here's, here's how courage looks. Courage looks like this. Even at his age, he's willing to take on new challenges rather than resting on past accomplishments. That should have said something to somebody. Some of us think I got a whole lot behind me. I got a resume. I've done some things. But that does not allow us to rest on that because watch this. God has yet more for us to do. 85, He's, he's, he's prepared to take on new challenges. Hebron. So, so, so here's the thing. Uh, he says this. He says, give me this mountain. I'm ready for this challenge. And, and, and by saying this and by, 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 by acting so courageous, uh, we've already talked about some things that his name means, but here's another. He lives up, up to yet another meaning of his name. Another meaning of his name is all heart. And Caleb was all heart. Might not have been able to look at him And see that he was ready and courageous. But if you were able, like God, to see his heart, because I stopped to remind you that man looks on the outward appearance, God is able to see the heart. And if you were able to peer inside and see Caleb's heart, you know that he was all heart. Hebron was conquered, you remember, by Joshua. And his army initially in chapter 11. So what's this conquering Hebron all about? If it's already been conquered, well, it's likely, apparently, it's likely that the inhabitants returned when the armies left. This is one theory. And they needed to be dislodged again by Caleb when he was ready to take possession. Caleb and his clan have to reconquer the giants who apparently escaped the initial battles and lived in Philistine cities for a time. From I mean, chapter eleven, this, by the way, is accomplished in chapter fifteen. So we didn't read chapter thirteen. We didn't read chapter fifteen. Chapter thirteen, I told you, was the distribution of the land. Was uh, uh, the distribution of the beginning of this distribution process and some things going on. And in fifteen, we find out that Caleb. Actually, does reconquer the land in Hebron in 15, 13 through 19. The reality is that in our own personal spiritual battles, sometimes ground that we conquered early in our Christian lives is lost because we failed to occupy it fully and must be rewon. We must courageously seek to fully occupy the ground, then we must courageously continue to defend it watchfully. We must be people of courage. Remember, God opens his discussion with Joshua in chapter one by saying this, Joshua, be strong and courageous. And know that wherever you go, I'm with you. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. You shall meditate therein day and night that you may observe to do all according to, to do all according as written therein. Then you shall make your way prosperous and then you shall have good success. I will be with you. Be strong and be courageous. We find out that he is all of these things. And in closing, I want you to, I want you to hear with me God's testimony about Caleb. But, 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 but before we do that, I want to share something with you, this extra. I want to share something with you. Uh, I wrote these names down. I want you to tell me if you recognize any of these names. I'm going to just read them for you. And just stop me if you recognize one. Shamua. Anybody heard that name? Okay, okay. Shaphat. Igor, Paltai, nobody stopped me yet, Gadiel, Gadai, Amuel, Sethor, Nabai, Guel. Anybody recognize any of them names? Can I tell you who those people are? Those are the ten spies who had the bad report. You know why you don't recognize their names? Because we never heard from them again. Because they died on the spot and they never are heard from again. But Caleb, God has something to say about him. Let's look at God's testimony about Caleb from Numbers chapter 14, verse 24. Here is God's testimony about Caleb. God says this, but my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit, And has followed me fully. I will bring into the land. Into which he went. And his descendants. Shall possess it. Our desire. Should be. That God's testimony. About us. Is that we have a different spirit. There will be something different. About us. Versus what we see in the world. We we ought to have a different spirit. We ought to be courageous. We ought to wholly follow the Lord. We should be committed to him. We should be sold out to him. We should not be fair-weather followers. And all those things should be God's testimony about us that we have a different spirit. Wholehearted, single-minded. Should be God's testimony. About Gracious Lord, we are so thankful Thank you. to you for your word, for your will, and for your way. We love you, Lord God. We pray that your word we would take and apply to our lives as we prepare to depart and go out into this world to serve. Help us to do that in a way that would be pleasing unto you. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Glory, all the glory goes to God. Listen, we'll do this. Uh, There may be someone here. We always we don't ever want to leave without extending an invitation. If you're here and don't know Jesus, we love.